Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode number 125 from Delving into Islam podcast. This is your host, Wa'il. Uh, and it is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a privilege that I'm able to talk to you about the religion of Islam and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is allowing me to share my knowledge with you. Thank you so much for listening and participating and sending in all your questions and suggestions. Uh, and speaking of which, if you have any questions or suggestions, please email me at delvingintoislam at gmail.com. Again, delvingintoislam at gmail.com. Uh, and I will get back to you as soon as possible, inshallah. Uh, now, this podcast is for anyone, whether you're remotely curious about the religion of Islam, or if you're thinking about becoming a Muslim, or if you just became a Muslim, or if you've been a Muslim and just want to learn more about Islam, this podcast, inshallah, is for you. Uh, now, before I get into today's topic, I just want to let you guys know that talking about, and, and from of course, from the title, you guys know that we're going to, and I mentioned this in the last episode, we will talk about Allah today. We're going to give a proper definition of Allah, His attributes, the misconceptions about Allah, and, you know, our duties, and what do we, sh- what we our basically responsibility towards how to treat Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know how to deal with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we're going to talk about this all and just to let you know I I had I, I believe uh, in, in season 2 or season 3 I, I honestly don't remember I believe that um, I had a full series talking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala his attributes his names and you know all, all of those things and the relationship between us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, and that was very detailed. Now, today's episode will be a summarized episode. Of course, if we talk about Allah, this could take seasons, not one season, seasons to talk about just to describe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his attributes, you know, in a viv- in, you know, in such vivid detail, like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, told us and, and, and you know, gave us such information. But of course, th- today's episode is summarized. And let me tell you why today's episode was also one of the necessary ones, you know, to talk about. Before we head into the major signs, to or to go back into the major signs, basically, or the signs of the day of judgment, because I don't want you guys to think, why is he stretching it? You know, why is he like, why is he not getting into you know the the major signs? Here's why, because it I I, I started realizing or seeing that a lot of people are lacking the concept of who is God, who is Allah, whether they're Muslims or non-Muslims. Of course, non-Muslims. It's kind of understandable. Okay, they they don't have the discipline that we Muslims have towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But if, again, and I know a lot of non-Muslims, mashallah, they listen to the podcast. I, I, I get contacted, you know, uh, by them all the time. So now it's time for them to, instead of like, you know, listen to, again, the if you want to know all the vivid detail, go back to either season two or season three, which I have a whole series about it. But like in a summarized way, uh, one episode to make people understand anybody who's listening, whether you're Muslim or a non-Muslim, to understand certain things about Allah and misconceptions and how people are really like you know approaching Allah in a very very weird and and wrong way, and and we'll talk about that and and I will expand on that inshallah in a little bit. So I'm not again I'm not trying to like uh, you know give you more. It's not a filler episode if you wanna if you know what I mean. You know this is not a filler episode. This is critical in my opinion. And now I think it's time to just recap and add new things to stuff that I maybe never mentioned before. And I'll also give you a heads up to next episode. Next episode, inshallah, I will do an entire recap of or a summarized version of the angels. Because again, 
I've been seeing it's it's all about what I'm seeing. Wallahi. You have no idea like the amount of Muslims who have the wrong idea about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I'm not saying like some of them has major wrong issues with Allah and some of them have like this minor stuff, but it's still wrong. So I need to address all of that. Also angels. Uh, people think of angels in a certain way. So I want to do a recap. and, and to, So today's episode is going to be, inshallah, a recap of uh, 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 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the, the actual definition of Allah. And inshallah, the next episode will be a, a recap of, uh, the because I also had the series of the angels. Um, so also it's going to be a recap regarding that and, and, and a summarized version. I'm going to add new stuff to it, inshallah. And again, because we are in March right now, so uh, Ramadan Mubarak, Ramadan is literally coming. Uh, so I want to do also another episode uh, in terms of preparing uh, our new Muslims. And, and this is, by the way, whether you are a new Muslim or not, this is going to be beneficial to prepare you for Ramadan. It's going to be literally the episode, the Sunday before Ramadan. Uh, and... Inshallah, I believe, inshallah, as long as nothing uh, urgent happens or anything that like a, a sudden event or something that will make me change the scheduling. But inshallah, after that episode, immediately, and that will mark the first episode within Ramadan, we will start talking about the major signs. So here you go. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you the full schedule right now. This episode, today's episode, inshallah, and again, this could change due to any, you know, unplanned or, or urgent circumstances, but inshallah, for for the time being, the plan is, today's episode will be talking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the definition of Allah, the misconceptions. Uh, um, next episode, inshallah, next Sunday, we'll be talking about the definition of the angels. Also, uh, by again, it's all in a summarized way. I cannot have multiple episodes talking about that because this already happened. If you go back and you're going to find the series of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the series of the angels, if you want to you know, hear, listen to them in, in, in a lot of more detail. And then uh, the episode after, we'll be talking about preparing uh, uh, our new Muslim brothers and sisters and us too. That applies on, 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 on current Muslims. You don't have to be a new Muslim. If you were born a Muslim, if you've been a Muslim, this is also going to be beneficial because we will talk about something very specific. Because I know every Ramadan we talk about, uh, we dedicate a special episode for Ramadan. This one is going to, I want to tackle it from a different perspective, which is how the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam uh, and, and the companions How did they spend the Ramadan So we're going to tackle it from that interesting uh, Inshallah uh, You know point of view uh, And and so yeah that that These will be the next two episodes After today's episode And then inshallah right after Which marks the first episode in Ramadan We will talk about the major signs uh, Which I know you've been waiting for But wallahi everything we've talked about So far you know from the beginning Of the season is critical it is hundred percent critical. A lot of people have crazy miscon. Well, I sometimes I sit down and I, and I, I wonder like, alhamdulillah, we have the knowledge. Alhamdulillah, most of us, you know, have the knowledge and they understand who is Allah and we understand the boundaries and the, you know, what what to do with Allah and what not to do with Allah. All these things we 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 know this, but it just boggles my mind sometimes that some people are just. It's, they're oblivious and, and it's subhanAllah it's, it's insane and it's problematic when those people have a voice and then others start you know listening to them so inshallah today we will cover uh, uh, again that was a long introduction but I had to you know lay down the schedule I don't want you to get frustrated then you think that the major signs are not coming inshallah the first episode of Ramadan which I believe it will be the 26th of March I believe so 
uh, will be uh, the major signs. But uh, again, everything leading to that. By the way, also talking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the angels, these two specifically, so today's episode and the episode after are leading directly uh, into the major signs. We need to understand those definitions because certain things will happen in the major signs that if we don't have these definitions established, it will be confusing. Uh, and of course, the Ramadan episode will be for Ramadan, inshallah. So anyway, without any further ado, let me you know, uh, start with today's episode. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, many of us think that we know Allah completely, right? Many of us think that, hey, we know who Allah is. You don't need to tell us. You know, we're good. Thank you so much. You'll be surprised. You know, you'll be surprised with the amount of misconceptions that you maybe have, right? So uh, let, let's divide today's episode into three categories. The first category is who is Allah? And of course, I cannot get into that. Like I said, that could take seasons. Uh, I'm going to summarize it as much as possible. And we're going to talk about the relevant stuff to our society and, and the modern you know, society and all these things. Uh, and so that is going to be the first section of the episode. The second section is talking about the misconceptions. Certain people out there have crazy misconceptions about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we will address that. And then uh, the, the third section is uh, going to be talking about how do we uh, deal with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, our relationship with Allah. What are our mandatory uh, acts of worship or how do we treat Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So again, definition of Allah, misconceptions, and how do we treat Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So let's start by the definition of Allah. Who is Allah? Allah is one. So just to start, is he's, there's one of Allah. There's no multiple. There's no, and, and when I say multiple, I mean there are no children. Like, you know, Christians believe that, like they believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a son, which is Jesus Christ. We we already, you know, talked about this at nauseum that does, just doesn't logically make sense. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explicitly said, Lam yalid wa lam yulad wa lam yakun ahad in the chapter of Ikhlas. Allah tells us, Allah was never born. So Allah does not have parents. Nor Allah has children. Nor Allah has spouses. So Allah has no partners in any, you know, of any kind. Okay? So that is one. Allah is one. And that's why you see Muslims. And by the way, when when, when you see the Muslim have uh, the, the the during the salah during the prayers, have their index up, right? This is a definition of what? This is the oneness of Allah. By the way, this is it's called Tawheed. And by the way, monotheism. That's our religion. It's our, about monotheism. And monotheism meaning what? Uh, it's meaning Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is one. We're talking about that Allah. We worship one God and one God only. We don't believe that Allah has any. Uh, any other partners of any type and uh so that is that when it comes to the oneness of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that's why you see muslims while we're praying and saying that tashahud uh, we raise our index um, and you say ashadu anna la ilaha illallah uh, see when you raise the index that means that indicates one the oneness of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you lift it up because you're saying allah is one and by the way bilal uh, who was uh, basically tortured we know we had his story when we talked about the biography of the prophet sallam when he was being tortured when he was a slave and he was being tortured by the, 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 the disbelievers of Quraysh What did he used to say? Ahadun ahad Ahadun ahad means one one Allah is one basically One one and he used to lift his index up Ahadun ahad Ahadun ahad Allah is one Allah is one So this is what Islam is strict about this You cannot There is no wiggle room here There is no like any room for Allah made it clear In numerous verses in the Quran 
Allah is one. There are no multiple gods. There are no sub-gods. There are no children of God. None of that. Okay? So Allah is one and one only. So that is, you know, we could put that to rest now. Another thing that we know about Allah, by the way, we get our information about Allah. We mentioned this, I believe, in, in the previous episode. We meant we get our information about Allah from Allah. Okay? Any speculation about Allah is denied, is forbidden, is not allowed. We do not speculate things about Allah. And we mentioned why. Because speculating about things, when you speculate about, you know, you speculate something, that means you have the full understanding of it. So you speculate certain things about it. You know, like when you have a full understanding of a situation, you can speculate the outcome, right? Allah is different because you can never understand Allah fully. Allah tells you what you need to understand about Him, and that's about it. Do you understand? Our knowledge of Allah is incredibly insignificant. Our knowledge of Allah is incredibly insignificant because it comes from Allah. And Allah said in the Quran, وَمَا أُوتِيتُمْ مِنَ الْعِلْمِ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا You, I've, I've, I've sent you or I've given you very insignificant type of knowledge. You know, our knowledge is literally a, a, a drop of water in, in, in a massive ocean. That's the knowledge of Allah, the massive ocean. And our knowledge is literally a drop of water within that ocean. So again, we do not speculate, we do not commit analysis, we do not come up with analysis when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We do not come up with analysis when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because again, analyze something requires the, the fact that we need to fully understand it. So we get our knowledge from Allah uh, or our knowledge about Allah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, so that is that. Now, another thing we need to know uh, about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that He is unlimited. Allah is not confined in any type of space or confined in any type of thing. Allah is not confined. Allah is unlimited. Meaning what? Allah could do anything He wants. Allah could do anything He wants. No limits. Us humans, yeah, we have tons of limits. You know, and again, you cannot compare human to Allah. Do you, do you guys understand? You cannot, because we are part of his creation. Part of his creation. You know? And you have to understand that, and, and this is one of the craziest things. And I know that goes into the, 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 the idea of misconceptions, but I need to address this for a second. Unfortunately, and, and by the way, many Muslims are guilty of that, and I'm including myself. Sometimes when we try to think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, sometimes we think about him with the lens of what? Of what's logical to the human mind to what's logical to the human mind let me elaborate allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that he was always there he was always there allah was not born or he was not found or he was not created or he was not like allah doesn't have a beginning okay allah did not have a beginning allah was always there nor he will have any type of end. Allah does not end. Allah is endless. He will always be there. So Allah is infinite. Allah is infinite. Here's the biggest, and, and by the way, we don't do it on purpose. It's just we, when we, we're, we have human minds and we have certain logic that applies to human beings. And when we look at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, sometimes we use that lens or that like kind of mindset of what's logical to us and what's illogical to us. 
For us, we cannot comprehend the fact that something has always been there. Think about it. When somebody comes and tells you, how was Allah always there? That doesn't make sense. To who? It doesn't make sense to who? Like you have to ask that question. To you as a human being? Of course, because for us as human beings, everything has a beginning. Everything has a beginning according to us. Human beings have a beginning. Uh, jinn have a beginning. Uh, angels were, because they were all created, right? So everything has a beginning. And also this world had a beginning because it was also created. Anything, like when you talk about anything in life has a beginning. And anything in life and everything in life has an end. So for the the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us he had no beginning. Allah never had a beginning. Allah was always there. And will, he will never have, you know, uh, an end. It kind of like makes, we, we can't comprehend it. Do you, do you guys understand? We cannot comprehend it. And the fact that we cannot comprehend it is because we have, we apply human rules on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that is incorrect. You cannot do that. That is unacceptable. Do you understand? So it will make uh, your head hurt, <laughs> just to be honest. It will make your head hurt because you are trying to apply human logic when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah does not abide by our human logic. Allah does not abide by our rules. Because Allah created everything, He was never created. No one created Allah. By the way, that's another big issue that Muslims, uh, not just Muslims, by the way, uh, mankind, humans in general, they have a, a hard time understanding how, what do you mean He was never created? What do you mean He was never born? He just like showed up? No, He didn't. He was always there. How? How? It doesn't make sense. Wallahi. I sit with people and by the way I, like I said Muslims are non-Muslims when we talk about God in general and that topic comes up which is Allah had no beginning Allah is infinite the, you can see the struggle in their eyes wallahi you can see the struggle in their eyes because again understandably so but they have to understand that they cannot apply human logic on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we are applying we're putting the rules of mankind the rules of physics the rules of biology on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that everything needs to have a beginning everything needs to be either created or born you know you know what i mean but Allah doesn't Allah exists outside of this paradigm Allah exists outside of this of these rules that he created for us do you understand these rules that Allah had created by the way the rules of everything needs like has to have a beginning everything needs to be you know either born or created these rules were put by Allah not by humans we just had to like i we just realized the rules you know we didn't come up with the rules we just realized it however Allah exists outside of time and space and physics and everything that makes sense to us so you, you guys understand? So that's why when I talk to people, they're like, but but he wasn't. And I, I remember I gave this example before on the podcast, and I'm going to give it again for those of you who never, you know, listen to that example. Imagine you're taking uh, your, uh, and, and I get this, uh, by the way, this question comes to me from like uh, Muslim children a lot. Uh, so they, they come to you and they, and, and, and I remember um, my one of my friends, uh, his, his, his son came to me. And he's like, I have a question. How come Allah uh, is not is not created? I know that Allah created us, but who created Allah? Who created Allah? Like, and when you say Allah was never created, it's just a question. This answer does not satisfy them because again, they're children. Number one, so they don't understand the fact that Allah 
does not abide by our rules and it's very difficult to make them understand this so basically this this is a very beautiful example take the tell tell, tell the, the whoever comes and asks you this tell them let's go to a bakery and then go inside of a bakery and then point at whatever a cake a piece of cake and say who created this who made this who baked this cake who baked it they'll tell you it's the baker of this bakery okay then take him to the bread section and say who baked this uh, that bread they'll say the baker wonderful go take him to whatever the donut section the pastry section whatever who baked this it's the baker again then look at them and ask okay tell me who baked the baker who baked the baker they won't understand it they're like what do you mean a baker can't be baked exactly allah cannot be created the rule of baking does not apply in a baker because a baker is a human being you cannot bake a human being guess what you cannot create allah do you understand it's very simple sometimes certain rules don't apply on certain people now we're talking about allah allah is not people so certain many allah allah there are no rules of human rules that apply on allah by the way allah is the one who created rules so tell him if nobody baked the baker no one created allah and it's a very simple and literally to the point kind of example so yeah again so my advice to you whenever you have any when you whenever you think about allah and you're like mind boggled by the rules and 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 how come allah is infinite and how come allah was never born us as adults just think about it this way allah's rules apply on us our rules do not apply on allah so when you think about allah do not think about Allah with our rules. Do not apply our rules uh, when you are thinking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that is that. Another thing uh, when we are defining Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also has, uh, we said Allah does not abide by any of the human rules, but Allah made rules for himself. By the way, Allah made rules for himself. How so? Allah said, Ya ibadi inni haramtu dhulma ala nafsi fala tadhalamu. So Allah is made, made a rule for him himself to follow for our sake, by the way. For us to not be scared. Because Allah is saying, I have not, I, I forbade injustice upon myself. I will never commit injustice. That's a rule right there, but only created by Allah. Allah does not abide by anyone else's rules. Right? Allah ab- abides by his own rules whenever he creates uh, rules for himself. Allah said, "Zulm is haram, injustice is haram upon me." Because think about it: if Allah does not put this rule on him, because we said Allah can do whatever He pleases, whatever He wants. Allah is the only God. Allah is the only divine entity that exists, right? So Allah can do whatever He pleases. However, Allah is telling us, but Allah is also the perfect entity, the perfect God. Allah is perfect. Allah is perfection. Right, so Allah does not abide by any rules. He can do whatever He wants, and that makes Him, you know, whenever there is something that we want to know that He wouldn't do, He has to put that rule for Himself. For example, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala said, "I forbade injustice upon myself for our sake." So we have this uh, feeling of, you know, safety, and we are happy, and we are 
you know, uh, we feel safe because if Allah commits injustice, we are doomed. Just think about it. Imagine if the only entity, no one can defy Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No one can go up against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala despite what certain group of people think. And we're going to get to the, the misconceptions about Allah. You know, the, those who can talk about Allah in a very vulgar way and they think, oh, well, God doesn't exist or, you know, if God uh, cared. And, and we're going to mention that. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, despite what those people, group of people think, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has no limits. No one can come close to Allah. If Allah wanted, this world would cease to exist for no reason. Just by the way, Allah doesn't have to come up like right now when there's a natural disaster. There is a reason for it. You know, when there is a, a, a calamity, there is a reason for it. Even if we don't know the wisdom behind it, there is a reason for it. Okay? But if uh, Allah does not need a reason, by the way. Allah literally could snap his fingers and we cease to exist. What are you going to do? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, by the way, mentioned this in the chapter of Shams. In verse number 15, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us that he basically destroyed an entire nation, the nation of Thamud. So, فَدَمْدَمَ عَلَيْهِمْ رَبُّهُمْ بِذَنْبِهِمْ فَسَوَّهَا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala literally leveled the entire civilization. And imagine this, an entire civilization. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala leveled it. Basically made it like, you know, sand. Sand. But look at verse number 15. Look at what Allah said. وَلَا يَخَافُ عُقُبَاهَا And Allah does not fear the consequences of what he did. What does that mean? If you ruin someone's life, let's say you are uh, you did something wrong to you wronged people, or you caused even when you do something good, by the way. Let's say that you uh, told on someone who was committing a crime and you got him in trouble. You're always, as a human being, you'll fear the consequences. What if they retaliate? What what happens next? You know. Imagine destroying an entire civilization, destroying it, destroying it, leveling it, basically. It's a law. Allah fears no consequences. Allah fears no consequences from anyone or anything. Allah is almighty. No one can harm Allah. No one can, like, even... Me saying it, it sounds really weird and, and bizarre and funny. No one can harm Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah destroyed an entire civilization because they were all terrible human beings. They were oppressors. They were like doing some terrible things. And there was no turning back for them. So Allah destroyed the entire civilization. And Allah does not care. Basically, this is Allah saying, I do not care. Because it's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. However, Imagine someone with such power, someone with such power, unlimited power. Allah could, like I said, snap his fingers. We will cease to exist in, in less than a second. But imagine all this powerful being telling us, don't worry. I'm not going to commit injustice. I'm never going to commit injustice. I forbade injustice upon myself. Another thing, one of the rules that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put for himself is, Allah saying, my mercy, my mercy contains or overcomes my anger. 
Don't worry. Again, it's for our sake, Wallahi, for us to feel safer, by the way. Because imagine if Allah does not contain his anger. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, have mercy on all of us. Imagine. We, again, countless times, we will be destroyed completely. As, by the way, as individuals, as civilizations, you'll, you name it. Because we do terrible things, you know, uh, in, in terms of when it comes to the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So imagine, and we do a lot of things that anger Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But then Allah is saying, do not worry. My mercy My mercy overcomes my anger. So I think about having mercy on you before I get angry at you. And I let my anger take over. That's one of the rules. And again, it's for our sake. Because here's the thing. Here's the rule that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And wallahi, it gives me goosebumps. Look at this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us what? You cannot run from Allah except to Allah. Just, just again, think about this. You cannot run from Allah except to Allah. Basically, Allah is saying there is nowhere to run from me. You can't hide. You can't run from me. The only one who will save you from Allah is Allah himself. Because it's such a true statement. You anger Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You, let's say that you do something very heinous and very unspeakable that you anger Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay. What's the only way for you to save yourself from Allah's wrath and anger and you know from bad, bad things happening to you in this life or in the hereafter? What is the only way? What, hundred, uh, hiding under your bed? Hiding under the dining table? Going off grid and, and hiding in the middle of nowhere to, to Having renting a, your own island and hiding there No Because Allah could get you anywhere There is no place on earth Where you can hide from Allah No place You go out in outer space Different place Allah will get you Okay so what is the only place that you could go to To save yourself from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And from his anger it's Allah. You can only go back to Allah. And when you go back to Allah, Allah will save you from himself, from his anger. By showing you mercy, by forgiving you. And it shows us how unique Allah is. How worthy of our worship Allah is. And also another thing that I want you guys to uh, kind of comprehend. When you repent to Allah, right? Uh, when you ask for Allah's forgiveness Let's say that when you also remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala When you keep saying subhanallah Oh Allah When you make dua to Allah When you do anything When you remember Allah in any way shape or form Whether you're repenting Whether you're exalting him and saying subhanallah Whether you're you know, uh, uh, remembering him in the Quran Whether you're making dua You're a good Muslim for doing that right You're a believer if you sincerely are doing this To please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And also to get what you want in life and in the hereafter There's nothing wrong with that But here's a point that many Muslims Don't even realize Who taught you to do that? Who taught you to do that? It's Allah you did not come up with how to repent to Allah. And that's why we say it's very critical and important to understand that Islam is your way to Allah. Like we said in a previous episode. Because without Islam, without guidance, without the Quran, how would you know without the Sunnah? How would you know how to repent to Allah? It's from Allah. How to deal with Allah comes from Allah, my dear brothers and sisters. Think about it. 
You cannot deal with Allah based on your own intellect. You can't. It's just you cannot. Simply, you lack knowledge. You lack the etiquettes. You lack the, the comprehension of Allah. So the only way on how to deal with Allah comes from Allah. Through the religion of Islam. Through the Quran. Through the Sunnah. How to repent? In the chapter of Baqarah. When, 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 uh, when Adam and Eve ate from the tree and Allah sent them to earth along with, with, with Satan, what happened? Allah is telling us, Allah taught Adam how to repent. Look at this. So Adam took what Allah gave him in, in terms of how to repent and repented to Allah. Then Allah accepted the repentance. Wallahi, wallahi by Allah. This is the perfect being. Allah is truly the only God. Again, I want you to realize this incident with me. Just just let's let's analyze this situation for a second. By the way, that applies to us as well. But let's talk about the situation with Adam here. Wallahi. Allah taught Adam how to repent. Allah taught Adam how to repent. Adam, that now that, that this is the part where the, the difference between a believer and a disbeliever. Because Allah t- teaches both. Allah sends the Quran to everybody, all of mankind. Now, what differentiates you, you know, from a disbeliever or from even a Muslim who doesn't care that much? from a non-practicing Muslim or from an average Muslim is that you use the words that Allah gave you and use it in your for your own good, right? For your own benefit. Use it to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because Allah sent the Quran, everybody knows. Quran is public, you know, access. You can access it. It doesn't matter who you are. You can find Quran anywhere, online, in books, whatever. But what different what differentiated Adam from Satan in this exact situation was what? Adam took the words from Allah how to because Allah said, This is how you repent to me. And Adam took the words and he repented to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah accepted. Allah accepted the repentance. alayhi. Allah forgave Adam. That's why the, the whole idea of the original sin in Christianity is bogus doesn't exist. We don't believe in it. Because Allah explicitly said in the Quran, Allah gave Adam the words of repentance. Adam took the, because Adam didn't know how to repent, right? We did not know how to repent before we read the Quran and the Sunnah, right? So it's the same thing. Oh Allah, forgive me. Astaghfirullah. Oh Allah, forgive me. It's simple. That's These are the words of repentance. Astaghfirullah in Arabic. Oh Allah, forgive me in English. It's that simple. Very simple. You have to be sincere, of course. But it's that simple. Adam, of course, because he's the first human being, he didn't know what to say, the words it, itself. Like, what, what do I say to Allah for Allah to forgive me? And Allah taught him. And he said the words, and Allah forgave him. Who is, the, like, it's like, I can't even describe the generosity and the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The, by the way, same thing applies to us. Allah is the one who taught us, told us how to repent to him. How to ask him for things. He's the big one. How to thank him. So Allah told us, thank me when you get 
you know, when I bless you with, with, with blessings and I give you wealth or kids or family, anything, it doesn't matter how little you think it might be, because it's not little, but let's say how little you think it might be what you received from Allah. وَإِن تَشْكُرُونِي لَأَزِيدَنَّكُمْ Allah saying, you thank me for what I gave you, I'm going to give you even more. Who is that generous? Who do you know is that generous? That Allah is the one who taught you how to say thank you, and then when you say thank you, Allah gives you more. Allah is rewarding you for something He gave you. Who rewards someone for something they gave Him in the first place? Only Allah. This this next example that I'm about to you know give you is is basically it shows uh, Allah's ultimate perfection as as a creator and as as God as the the divine God. Look at this. We know that provision, wealth, comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Allah, it comes through our jobs, our businesses, our whatever. Yes, through, but the source of wealth, we know it's established, comes from Allah. Look at this. Let's say that Allah gives you wealth, specific, it doesn't matter, whatever. Wealth. You have money. You're comfortable. Then you take 2.5% of the money that Allah gave you. That Allah gave you. And you spend it for the sake of Allah. Which is the zakah, right? The mandatory charity. 2.5% insignificant amount of your wealth. You spend it for the sake of Allah. Again, the wealth that Allah, who, who gave you that wealth? It's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through your job, through your business, through whatever, right? Inheritance, whatever. And when you pay that insignificant amount, the 2.5% to the poor for the sake of Allah, Allah rewards you even more than money, by the way. You get rewards, unlimited rewards in, in Jannah, in paradise, in the hereafter. You get even rewards in this life. Who does this? Allah is the source of your wealth. And when you take some of your wealth and pay it for the sake of the, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and give it to the poor, Allah rewards you even more for something he gave you in the first place. Just for the fact that you take some of it, you're not stingy. And you take some of it and you pay it to the poor. And, and to me, that's, that's the mind-boggling part about people who refuse to pay zakah or who are too lazy or who just don't, who don't want to pay zakah because they think they need the money. My dear brothers and sisters, who gave you the money in the first place? It's Allah. It's his right to ask you to pay. Because it's his money. So we can keep, like, see, I told you, like, we can keep talking about Allah's attributes for, for seasons to come. And I'm very happy that we're doing this today because, again, a lot of people have this uh, lack of understanding or lack of, again, we, we will never fully understand Allah, but we're lacking of understanding the things that Allah told us about himself. And that, that is frustrating sometimes when, you know, you see people uh, who are lacking the basic understanding of Allah, the, the, the things that Allah wanted us to understand about, you know, himself. And by the way, and, and that makes me get into this this little, it's it's a tiny thing, but I know that a lot of, uh, at least I've met a couple of, 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 of sisters who have an issue about this. And it's, it's, it's kind of a funny thing, but uh, it is also things that, uh, like things like that that you know certain certain people think about which is why do we call Allah he is he male why we say his why we say him is he a male 
is is Allah is 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 is, is a male like he, he has a gender and the answer and, and well I've, I was asked this uh, one of my uh, in-person lectures I had a group of sisters they gang up they ganged up on me and they said we have a question for you why do you say Allah the way do we call him he and and he you know he calls himself of course in the Quran why do we call him he is he a male like what's going on here and uh and you know they had of course they had an issue with that apparently and it was all funny you know it was not a a serious i mean they meant the question but it was all in 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 a kind of fun way like why is he a male and the answer simple answer to this question no he's not allah does not abide by our genders allah does not have a gender humans again don't and and they they made the mistake the sisters that i'm talking about they made the same mistake that i just mentioned in the beginning of the episode which is they looked at allah with the lens of human rules when you say he that means he he's a male i mean that's i mean now it's kind of all mixed up and blurry may allah uh, have mercy on us when he she they them and all these things now are blurred out but but before you know normal times we know that he mean meant a uh, male and she meant a female so they were like Allah always we always say he 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 so what is that and uh, when when they asked that question they made the mistake that we all do they looked at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from that lens the lens of okay he equals male but Allah is not a human being he exists out of these rules and the simplest answer is we say he because he refers to himself as he and him and and his and all these things right so when allah says huwa that means he uh, uh, and again this is allah is he but he's not a male allah does not have a gender gender is only for humans and by the way and uh, and jinn angels don't have genders as well and that's why we call angel gabriel or jibril we call him he uh, angel um, mikael or michael if you want to call him according to you know the the Western literature, Michael, that means also, we say he, but he's not a male. Angel Jibril is not a guy. He takes the form of, by the way, when Angel Jibril used to come to the Prophet he would transform, when it, when he transforms into like a human form, he becomes a male. But in his true form, there's no, there's no gender when it comes to angels. They're referred to as he, uh, as, you know, him, when you talk about, but they're not males. Okay. So that that is another thing. So again, simple answer is Allah refers to himself as he, and we only refer to Allah the way he refers to himself. Okay? So that is uh, that. Uh, now, um, another thing that I want to talk about when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is something that's um, a lot of people need to understand, which is Allah does not want to punish us. Allah does not. Allah wants all of us to go to paradise, but unfortunately, we don't care or at least the majority of us if again allah and, and some might say and this is a very very I, i've heard this before and this question i don't know if it was asked to me or, or if it was asked to someone in front of me in person but I, i've heard this in person uh, that, that this question before which is if allah wants all of us to go to paradise why doesn't he just send us to paradise very legitimate question. Why all the sins and good deeds and all these things? Why? Why? Well, here's the thing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first said what? Jannah is a very expensive commodity. Paradise is an expensive reward. 
Okay. Mankind, in the form of Adam and Eve, failed because they were already in paradise. They were in paradise along with Satan. The three of them failed the test because they were a test for each other, by the way. We, we already said that. Again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us to be tested. Now, inshallah, after the day of judgment, we won't be tested anymore. I mean, after our death even, not even the day of judgment. When we die, The day we die, no more tests, by the way. Only results on the day of judgment. And then the consequences of those results, whether we go to paradise, inshallah, or God forbid, hellfire. No more tests. So don't worry. The test ends with your death, by the way. It ends with your uh, death. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made, created this, this test and they all failed. However, when Satan failed, he was arrogant. And he's like, oh no, you tested me. You tricked me. Oh Allah. Allah does not need to trick any of his creation, by the way. Like I said, with and Allah's not again, you guys have to think of Allah as the perfection when it comes to even attitude. Allah does not does not have any flaws in personality, by the way. Allah does not have any flaws. Allah does not do things for his own pleasures and amusement, like torturing people. And like I know they show that, and again, I'm gonna get to that into the whole misconception part with when they show the quote unquote multiple gods in certain movies and certain TV shows, and gods are like, you know, are cruel to people. Allah does not need to be cruel because again, like I said, Allah within less than a second could make us cease to exist. Allah does not need us to exist. You guys understand that. Allah does not need us. Allah does not need to torture us. Allah does not need any of us. This is for our own good. Allah created us. Because why did Allah create us? This is a very good question. Why did Allah create We know that the purpose of our life is to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and live our lives in, 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 in a halal way. But the main purpose is to worship Allah. So why did Allah create us? Because from us, the angels asked that question, by the way. Remember when Allah was fashioning Adam with his own hands, when Allah was decided to create Adam, the angels asked, why do you create people who we know that they will shed blood? They will kill each other, one another, because again, they got the, the consensus of the scholars that they knew that because they don't know the future, right? So how did they know that mankind will do this and we're going to go to war with each other and kill each other from the behavior of the jinn who were created before mankind? And because the jinn, what, what, what do jinn and mankind have in common? The freedom of choice. And jinn did that to themselves, so mankind will also do that to themselves. And the angel says, why do you need them? We worship you flawlessly. Why would you need to create a flawed creation? Creation with flaws. And why not worship you, which is, think about it, look at, uh, at our world today. Almost 8 billion people and almost 1.8 billion Muslims. We're less than a quarter. Less than a quarter of the the, 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 the the human population. And from that quarter, from that less than a quarter, a way smaller amount who actually are worshipping Allah the way they should. So angels were asking, why would you create people who majority of them won't even worship you? They won't even admit that you exist. And Allah responded by saying, I know what you do not know. I know, and the scholars basically said, f deriving from the answer is that, the, look at the prophets and the messengers, the best of mankind. 
Look at the very righteous people, people who are worthy of being created. Allah create. By the way, again, creating us does not increase Allah's dominion in any way, shape, or form. Creating us is Allah created people, gave him the, the, the freedom of choice because Allah knows, because he knows the future, right? Allah knows that in the future, there will be those who will worship him almost flawlessly. And if even if they had flaws in, in, in terms of worshiping Allah, and they go back to Allah and they repent, Allah will forgive them. So Allah knows that creating us was not a bad idea. You know, when you know all the things that Allah did for us, it's again mind-boggling that people don't worship Allah. People don't give Him His His, his right. It's just mind-boggling, Allah. But anyway, so let's go back to the point, which is why wouldn't Allah just let us go into Jannah, right? Going back to the original question, which is basically Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like I said, Allah gave us that first test, Adam, Eve, and Satan failed. Then when they were brought down to earth, Adam and Eve repented to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they learned their lesson. And that's a big, by the way, that's a big example for us to follow. When you make a mistake, repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Learn from our father and our mother, Adam and Eve. Satan, on the other hand, like we said, he just said, oh, well, I was tricked. I'm never going to repent and this and that. I'm going to, you know, it's going to be all vengeance against mankind. And that's why they try to trick us until the day of judgment. Uh, uh, to basically lead us to hellfire because it's just they were too arrogant to admit their mistake and repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now that triggered the second test, a second chance for mankind. A second chance for mankind, right? Which is we're going to live on earth and Allah now will send us all the knowledge we need, everything we need, how to repent, how to live a good life through the Quran and the Sunnah. By the way, through the previous religions, right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, I gave you now, I sent you the religion. I sent you reminders in terms of like prophets and messengers. Now you have no uh, excuse to follow the religion. Do what I want you to do. And then you shall enter paradise. And that's it. Simple. For us to, to, to ask why would Allah, like for example, would you go to your professor in college and be like, hey, professor, I did not study. I'm not planning on studying. Why don't you let, just, you know, let me pass and give me an A in this, in this subject? Do you think this is a logical request? No. <laughs> no. This is a request of a lazy human being. Someone who does not want to do the work and want to be rewarded for nothing. Unfortunately, that's what people say. You know, those who say, why would Allah make us go through life and sins and rewards? Why doesn't he just let us go to paradise? Because if you think about it, and, and I'm not I'm not um, comparing Allah to a professor, astaghfirullah, no. I'm just giving you a human, you know, example. The professor also can make you pass the test. He does not need you, like it's not a mandatory upon the professor for you to, if, if the professor wanted you to pass, he will make you pass without taking the test. However, it does not make any sense for you to just live your life normally and other people who choose to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and for both of you to be equal and get the same reward. Even if it's a different level of paradise, you're still going to get paradise. That's the reward. That's the expensive reward to begin with. Level one in paradise, the minimum level in paradise is the most expensive thing in, in this existence. So that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created hell and heaven because when oppressors like for example if allah said everybody's going to go to paradise okay 
You're basically telling me that you want dictators, those who torture human beings, those who torture innocent people, those who are rapists, those who are murderers, to also enter paradise. Really? You think that's fair? You want to equate someone who was praying five times a day, every day, reading Quran, doing good deeds, to someone who never opened the Quran, to someone who never never admit that Allah is the creator, he never like you know prayed once in his life or her life. You think that's fair? Allah created hellfire and created paradise to see who is it's basically it's to be fair. As a matter of fact, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses this exact situation, this exact question, in the chapter of Mulk, verse number two. Allah created life and death. Okay? To see basically how what are you gonna do in your life? And then to accumulate those good deeds or sins would you when you die because your time ends. It's like a, a test, right? An exam. You have two hours to finish the test. You have three hours to finish the test, right? You have a limited amount of time to pass the test. Same thing. That's what Allah is saying in the chapter of Mulk. Allah created life and death for you to use life before you die to accumulate good deeds. To see who is better. Who will get, because you're not all equal. Even people who go to paradise, many of them are not equal. Just to let you know, like there are above, like the scholar said, more than a hundred levels in paradise. Paradise is not just one level. Because even the believers are varying in terms of like level of belief and ranks. What I want you also to understand is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is uh, the ultimate wise. He's the ultimate wise and the ultimate knowledgeable. Combine these two, whenever calamity happens, think about this. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, your wisdom is, is nothing compared to the wisdom of Allah. So a situation might happen, like for example, I had my daughters come to me and they literally, they're, they're four years old. And then they, they both of them have twin daughters, alhamdulillah. So they came to me and they said, uh, why does Allah uh, uh, don't give food to poor people? You know, we were working on, alhamdulillah, on a charity uh, uh, charity uh, event. And we were, you know, they, they saw me and, and my wife, you know, we were preparing, you know, uh, food for, you know, the people who are in need and, and the Muslims who are poor uh, because the month of Ramadan, you know, is coming. And th- that sparked, again, they're four years old, and, and th- th- that sparked a conversation. Well, what is this for? Poor people. The poor people no, don't, don't have food? Yes, they don't have food. So they asked, why? And they know, alhamdulillah, the concept of Allah. So they said, why does Allah, you know, what does he not give food to the poor people? And I said, what? I said, because Allah is testing them. He wants to see if they are patient or not. Of course, they don't. My daughters don't understand the concept of patience. But then I said, if they're gonna wait, and if they're gonna, you know, still be good Muslims, you know, and Allah is testing us because we are trying to make a, a package for, you know, a food package for those who are in need. So if we're not being tested, because they are being poor, is a test for us as well, because Allah wants to see if we're gonna help feed those people or not. I, I highly doubt that they got the whole concept, but at least they understood a bit of it. But that is my point. Now, that was my answer for my daughters, right? 
Now, my answer for an adult, let's say that, okay, because my daughters won't understand this answer that I'm about to tell you. If, if, let's say, for example, you come to me and be like, hey, why does God allow hunger in the world? I'll respond by saying this. I could say the same thing about you. Why do you allow hunger in the world? Right? You have food. You have enough food for you, for people who are hungry. Not saying for everybody who is hungry. No. For people who have, you know, been suffering from hunger. I have plenty of food, extra food for those who feel hungry. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala giving us, and again, this goes to everything else, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala giving us a lot of food, plenty of provision. We just don't want to share. And then we blame it on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Think about it this way, please. Just, just think about it this way. How many times you have leftovers and how many times you have, you know, thrown those leftovers into, you know, in the garbage? How many times have you went and bought very expensive food and had, you know, very expensive dinner? How many times, you know, there were like snacks being thrown around? How many times, you know, fruits get spoiled? How many times? How many times? And if you think about it, we are guilty. We are the ones who are guilty because Allah gave. Now, Allah didn't give every single one the same exact portion because like i said it's a there is a test right here allah gave us you and me whoever is listening and whoever has plenty of food on their table when you know it's time to eat we are guilty of not helping those who need to eat we are guilty you cannot blame it on allah allah gave you plus allah didn't give you just enough for you no 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 no. allah gave you more than what you need so what do you do you just sit tight you save your money and you blame it on allah subhanahu wa ta'ala murder and genocide dictatorship allah gave us enough wisdom allah gave us the rules do not do this to your fellow human being. Do not do this to people. Do not commit injustice. Do not kill people unjustly. Do not do this. Do not do that. Allah told us and gave us the wisdom, gave us the brains to choose and to realize, to differentiate between what's right and what's wrong. But we, or many of us, choose to do what's wrong because it's more convenient to us, because it makes us better than others. And then we ask Allah, Oh Allah, why are you doing this? Why are you allowing this? By the way, Allah does not cause evil. Allah allows it. Because it's part of the test, like I said. Allah allows it, does not cause it. Evil is only caused by men or humans. That's just to let you know. And of course, jinn, because they, they are the one of the sources of evil. And don't blame it all on the jinn as well, because we have ourselves to blame, right? So I'm just saying, it's just blaming everything on Allah. Yes, Allah has a wisdom. Allah allows this for a wisdom. Could be testing us. Could be testing the people who are suffering. Could be for the greater good. Allah only permits evil if there is a wisdom behind it. However, one of those wisdoms could be you are failing your test. Allah gave you plenty of food, enough and more, but you refuse to share and then instead of sharing, you look and you say, oh Allah, why did you allow suffering? Why are you allowing hunger? It's on you, not on Allah. Allah is capable of providing for every single one. However, 
the wisdom of Allah, and you, this is the biggest, you know, the biggest thing that I want you guys to understand. The wisdom of Allah is to give more to certain people than others. So those people who have more will be tested by what they have. And are they willing to share? Are they willing to work to share with those who are in need? And don't worry about those who are in need because they are getting their rewards from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because at the end of the day, and we conclude this this whole thought like always, this life doesn't really matter. However, you, instead of you sharing what Allah gave you, instead of, because it, and technically, if you have plenty of food and if you have more than what you need, and most of us, alhamdulillah, do, then you are part of the problem. I'm just, you are allowing hunger, not Allah, you are allowing hunger because you could have taken some of that extra food in the form of money, whatever, and send it overseas through many charitable organizations to those who need food. By the way, if you divide the food in the world by, right now, the, the food in, that exists in the world right now, the resources of food, of whatever, and you divide it evenly on every single human being, there will be enough for every single human being and way more left. So obviously this, is, this whole situation is unbalanced. Those who have food have plenty of food, but they don't want to share. And then they blame it on Allah. But Allah gave food for everyone. You just have to do the work. You just have to do the work. So that is, I just want to, yeah, you know, make that part clear for those who are wondering, why does Allah allow hunger? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is wise. So when you see people who are not, uh, who were like the, the earthquake that happened in Turkey and Syria, right? A lot of people are like, why, why would Allah let this happen? Why would Allah allow this to happen? For a wisdom that you don't know. That's the answer. You might you know, extrapolate certain wisdoms from it, but ultimately the wisdom of Allah is something that you know, maybe it's a test for us to see how we're going to react. Maybe it's a test for them. By the way, those who die under a wreckage, those who die under a wreckage, they die as martyrs, by the way. They die as martyrs if, if they were Muslims. So those people, maybe they had a, you know, a rough life, so Allah wanted to give them the ultimate reward because but dying as a martyr is a big deal. It's a really high rank when it comes to paradise so those thousands of people maybe allah wanted to reward all of them they had a tough life they had a rough life and allah wanted to reward them by giving them you know the the, the ending of a martyr do you understand these are wisdoms that we cannot comprehend because we don't know allah we don't understand allah allah didn't allow us to understand but allah told us rest assured i will never what what is the rule here huh come on Injustice, no injustice. I would never commit any act of oppression against my slaves, my creation. So rest assured that whatever happened in an earthquake or any natural disaster or any even like a calamity or a hardship situation, Allah did it. Now, some people deserve punishment. We don't know who is punished and who's not. That's why we don't talk about things we do not know, right? But what we know is Allah is the ultimate wise. There's a wisdom behind it that we might not understand. But there is a wisdom behind it. So any, and, and that's the attitude. We know Allah is all knowledgeable. So Allah knows things that you might never know. And that goes into the topic that we addressed in the last season when it comes to destiny and all these things, right? So that is, I wanted also to talk about that. Also, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is generous in terms of like, Allah has 
Khaza'in, and this is mentioned, uh, I believe, in the chapter of Munafiqun. Khaza'in means Allah has treasures, meaning has unlimited supply of provision, of wealth, that He is willing to give to you if you ask and if you thank. Two things here. You ask Allah and you thank Allah after you receive what Allah gives you and Allah will give you more, like I said. Okay, so that is, uh, you know, again, this is a summarized idea of the definition of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now let's go and, and we're almost like it's an hour now, right? So like, uh, now let's let's get into the other section, which is misconceptions about Allah. Now, I and I mentioned this in the last episode, you watch a movie about whatever, Superman, and they say, well, this is God on earth, right? This is God-like power. And to them, and I mentioned this, I know, I mentioned this in the last episode, to them is like, God is a strong being. That's it. That's what God is. And I always like roll my eyes, like, really? That's what you think God is? And that's, that's, that proves the lack of knowledge when it comes to who is God. God is not just a strong being. A strong being could, again, I know these are all fictional characters, I get it. But when people perceive those characters, even in the realm of, for example, comic books, they call them gods. And that shows you that they are lacking the definition of God. They don't know what God is and who God is, right? That's one of the things, right? They believe that God is just a strong being. No, God is the strongest being. And that's one of his little, one of of like a tiny bit of his attributes, a little bit of an attribute. God has such a massive collection of attributes that he told us about. Again, we know there are things that we are not told about, right? So, yeah, that is one thing. Also, another thing is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and this is mentioned in the Old and I believe in the New Testament, that Allah rested after he created uh, the world. You know, he rested. And we mentioned this. He rested on, what was it, a Saturday? Allah doesn't rest my dear brothers and sisters, Allah does not feel tired. Like I said, being tired is an imperfection that is made for humans, maybe jinn as well. That's why we feel tired, because we are imperfection. We're not perfect beings. Allah does not feel tired. Hence, Allah does not rest. What we know is Allah sits on his throne. That doesn't mean he rests. Does Allah sit because he can't stand? Does, we, we do not, der- like I said, we do not derive any conclusions about why Allah does things unless Allah told us. Then we know for a fact. We state facts that are being told by Allah. Allah sits on his throne. And I want to actually pause here. There is a verse that's a very famous verse. I mentioned here a lot on a podcast called the verse of Kursi in the chapter of Baqarah. This is the verse that basically shayateen are. Uh, they don't like that verse. It harms them and, and all these things. The, the word kursi in Arabic it means the chair. So a lot of people thought that when Allah says, it says in this verse, uh, that his chair, meaning aka they believe that it's his throne, filled between the heavens and the earth. Filled what's between the heavens and the earth. And that is simply inaccurate because the kursi that that verse the, the verse of kursi what's referred here is the footstool of allah so allah has a throne al arsh ar rahman ala al arsh istawa 
Allah sat on the throne. This is in the Quran, by the way. And Allah puts his feet on a footstool, and that footstool is called Al Kursi. Because I know the word Kursi in Arabic means a chair. So people automatically believe that, oh, Kursi, that means this is the chair. That's what's referred to here. The chair, the, 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 the throne of Allah. No, no, no. The Kursi here is the footstool of Allah. And so, yes, Allah has feet. Look at that. Allah has feet. We have to affirm this attribute. Why? Because Allah told us. The two feet of Allah are being put on the kursi, which is the footstool. This is in the Quran and the Sunnah, by the way. So we affirm that Allah has feet. What does Allah's feet look like? We will never know. Until we see him and he allows us to see him, inshallah, on the day of judgment or even when we go to paradise. But for now, don't think. Here's the thing. This is something very interesting I want to tell you guys about. Shaitan will come to you and will try to make you try to imagine Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One of the tactics of shaitan, of the devil, is to come to you and try to make you imagine Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and liking him to any fantasy movie you saw or any fantasy show you saw or any like human kind of laws or logic that it's in your head. Look at this, Allah tells us, Allah, look, to, to just to put that to rest, is unlike anything you've ever experienced or we've ever known. Meaning Allah's description or even his physical attributes are outside of your comprehension. Allah, look at this, to, to, just to make it easy for you guys. Allah did not put in your head the ability to imagine him physically or even like you know abilities wise unless he gave you what he gave you right so Allah gave us bits and pieces about himself and that's what we live by you try to imagine more than that Allah did not it's simple Allah did not give you the ability your imagination cannot reach that the description of Allah cannot no matter how big your imagination is Allah basically locked your imagination to a specific percentage that it's like basically one percent you cannot unlock this imagine like you can't you can't you cannot understand what Allah looks like because you can't comprehend Allah. So shaitan will come to you and we're trying to make you oh Allah's feet maybe look like gigantic look big no 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 no. And that's why when you start getting these thoughts you say a'udhu billah minash shaitan oh Allah I seek refuge from you know shaitan in you. And you say subhanallah laysa Allah is unlike anything I've ever imagined. Okay, so just to put that to rest, you will never be able, you will never, not a single human being, not even the prophets, not the messengers, no one can imagine what Allah looks like because it's not programmed in our DNAs, in our brains. Okay, so just for you to make that clear. So yes, Allah has feet, we just don't know. Allah has hands, it's mentioned in the Quran. Allah has fingertips, fingers basically. Again, we don't know what Allah's fingers look like and we will never know until you know we see him if we inshallah see him on the day of judgment or in paradise so i just want to go back to this the the, the kursi part the, the footstool so allah says that the footstool is filling between the heavens and the earth that's like 
Here's a very interesting description. Uh, this is mentioned in the hadith, by the way. It is said that compared to the existence of the galaxy that we know, the heavens and the earth combined. The heavens and the earth combined, look at this, are a ring in a desert compared to the footstool. Our existence, our world, the entire earth and the heavens combined are a ring and the footstool is a desert. That's size-wise. That's why Allah said, The footstool filled between the heavens and the earth and even more. Now let's compare that now. We compared our world, our world, including the galaxy, to the footstool. It's a ring in a desert. The desert is the footstool. Now let's compare the footstool to the throne, to the actual throne. Look at this. The footstool is a ring and the throne is a desert. Good luck imagining that, how big Allah is and how big his throne is. This is something we'll never be able to comprehend. Uh, like one of the things, and we're gonna, I don't want to uh, get ahead of myself, but on the day of judgment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all of, all of hellfire will be, will be brought to earth, by the way. And I'm going to tell you the detail when we get to the day of judgment, inshallah. And, you know, when, when the evil human beings will be thrown in hellfire and hellfire will keep asking for more by the way i want more give me those oppressors give me those disbelievers give me those who you know committed and just give me i wanna it was it's feeding on human beings by the way allah will put his foot to close hellfire allah will literally put his foot to close hellfire now you tell me what the hellfire is massive. It's gonna take imagine the, the the billions of people that will fit into hellfire. And Allah will just put his foot just to close hellfire a little bit. Do you guys understand? So it's yeah, food for thought. But anyway. So one of the like I said, people think that Allah rests. Allah does not rest. Allah sits on the throne. Here's one of the things that's very interesting that we have to affirm. And I know a lot of people, they can't comprehend it, but and they, they, they do the same mistake because they use the human logic. Allah, here's the thing. Allah descends to the first heaven. We know that there are seven heavens, uh, seven skies, if you want to call them. Allah descends to the first heaven. In the last third of the night, every night. Did you guys know that? And I'm pretty sure many of you know that, but maybe some don't. Allah descends because that the, by the way the throne is above the seventh heaven. You guys need to understand that it's beyond the seventh heaven. So Allah descends Himself in the last third of the night. Allah descends to the first heaven. Why? Why does Allah do that? To see people and hear people praying, and He would answer their prayers, and to basically see who is worshiping Allah and who's doing something haram. Who is is wasting their time? Who's asleep and who's not asleep? Now here's a very interesting question, and I get that a lot by those who question everything, right? Allah can't simply do that while He's sitting on His throne, because we know that Allah sees everyone, right? Allah sees everyone and hears everyone. 
Not a drop, by the way, everything in existence. Every, Allah sees everything in existence, including bacteria moving in your body, including the soul moving in your body, your bloodstream, w- blood flowing in your body. Allah sees every little detail that, you know, to be seen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So why does Allah need to descend to the first heaven? That's a very valid question. This, by, by, this is the most authentic, one of the most authentic hadith out there. So there's no debate about it. Here's why. And again, we, we start the answer by saying Allah has the ultimate wisdom uh, uh, after all. But here's the response, inshallah. To show you the significance of the last third of the night, Allah does. Because if Allah sits on his throne and he says, I pay close attention to you guys in the last third of the night. It's very special. Okay. But Allah sees us all day. There's not a second. Allah, by the way, Allah likes ghafil. Allah says in the Quran, Allah is never oblivious on what we do. Allah sees every single creation, every single human being, every single animal, every single entity, every single thing that he created. Allah is aware of what they do all the time. All the time. Allah does not rest from seeing and hearing us. Okay. But if Allah tells you that, and by the way, this is not Allah saying this for you. Allah does descend to show us the significance of the last third of the night. Increase your worship. And we're going to get to that, inshallah, in the last section of this of this episode. Increase your worship in the last third of the night. That's what Allah wants us to do. And Allah emphasizes this by descending himself, almighty, to the first heaven. Allah does not, it's not like Allah can hear us from up there and he needs to get closer in the last third of the night because it's like dark or whatever. No. Or like he can't see us. No. Allah is, like I said, his his abilities are unlimited. However, for us to feel the mightiness of Allah coming close to us in the first heaven. You know? So anyway, that's, you know, just to answer this question. Also... Um, did, and and let's get right like to this to this piece. Like I think this could summarize a lot of attributes when it comes to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala He sits on the throne. We already established that. Okay. Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala does not fly around. You know, I know that other beliefs they believe Allah is in everything. God is in everything. You know, God is here. He's in my room. He's in my house. He's in everything and he's in everyone. No. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not everywhere. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees everywhere, hears everywhere and everyone. However, he is sitting on the throne. And like we said, he descends, uh, you know, in the last third uh, of every night. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not in us. We do not have anything divine about us. This is a big misconception that, you know, uh, uh, especially Christianity they believe in, which is that we're all divine. We have a piece of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a piece of God. No, we do not. We are human beings. Allah is divine. Allah is God. And there is a big separation between the two. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not flying in in the streets. He's not, you know, at your work. No, he sees everything. He controls everything. He allows everything that he, you know, eventually allows. Uh, He hears all of us. He hears everything. You cannot hide from Allah like we established. However, he's not with us. 
He does not, you know, live among us. He does not fly among us, right? Now, do not let that make you feel that he's far away when you want help or that he's far away when you need support or when you are in a specific dilemma or when you're in hardship or when you want something from him. Allah, yeah, he sits on the throne. However, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will answer your question. Like if, if you have a question or if you have a need or if you have anything and you're sincere and you do the proper, you know, dua and you ask Allah for it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like I said, will hear you the moment you speak. As a matter of fact, Allah knows what you're about to say before you say it. We know that. So you're not telling something, uh, you know, new to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And here's the verse that basically uh, confirms all of that. In the chapter of Qaf, verse number 16, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَلَقَدْ خَلَقَنَا الْإِنسَانَ وَنَعْلَمُ مَا تُوَسْوِسُ بِهِ نَفْسُهُ وَنَحْنُ أَقَرَبُ إِلَيْهِ مِنْ حَبِلِ الْوَرِيدِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, I created mankind. I created, you know, men and women. And I know what their nafs, what their self is telling them. Like whatever happens in secret, right? Your thoughts. Basically, I'm saying, I know your thoughts. I know when you have a little bit of a bad intention or a good intention. Allah knows everything. Not just the outwardly stuff. What's inside of you. Allah knows it. What does yourself tell you to do? Allah knows that. Without even, you know, saying it out loud. Look at this, but this is key right there. And I'm closer to you, O child of Adam, O human being. I'm way closer to you than your own jugular vein. You know the jugular vein? It's right here by the neck. Allah is closer to you than your own vein. Isn't that insane? Wallahi. Allah is, this is literally, Allah is saying this in the, now Allah doesn't mean physically he's like really close to you. Allah basically is saying, I'm close, I see you. I see everything you do. I'm right there. I'm right there. I even see and hear your thoughts. Can you imagine? Like, so this is what's meant by I'm closer to you than your jugular vein. Allah is so close to us, my dear brothers and sisters. That's why I know we, 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 we again, we, we forget sometimes. We uh, go astray sometimes, but always remember that Allah is literally right there watching you. Like I remember this one time when, when my daughter came to me and she told me that she, you know, she, she was scared to go to bed because she was hearing noise under her bed. And uh, I believe it was, she was watching an animated movie and then, you know, there was like some sort of a, a scary scene or something, but it was still, you know, a movie for kids, but there was a scene that she, you know, thought it was scary. And uh, I think it, that was the same day. So I understood. Uh, and then she goes, you know, can you sleep next to me? Of course, I would have loved to do that, but I want her to, you know, overcome that fear. Uh, so uh, she she told me like you know I, I I just I hear noise and I was trying to tell her there's no nothing I looked under the bed in front of her and I was like there's nothing see and she's like no no I I, I don't want to sleep here um, and I told her your your sister is with you she can you know and, and her the funny thing is her sister was like I didn't hear any noise and uh, but then she's like no I want someone older to sleep next to me. 
And then I said, uh, and I remember this, and I said, uh, well, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching you. Allah is is looking at you. He's He's going to protect you. Don't worry. And then she she said, she responded by saying, but I don't see Allah, but I can't see Allah. And it hit me because to her, she needs to see her protector, right? I mean, she believes in Allah, by the way. I mean, they're, they're four, but alhamdulillah, they understand fully the concept that they can't see Allah because Allah is, you know, very high up and, and, and you know, we don't see him in this life and so forth. They understand that to a degree, of course. Uh, so, but this time she was, she showed me her like, no, I can't see Allah. How is he going to protect me when I can't see him? And it was very sincere, right? And it's because she wants to, see, because it's she wants to fulfill her kind of safety feeling or safety emotion. She wants to feel safe, and she cannot feel safe by just thinking the idea that oh, Allah is watching, you know, over me or protecting me. I need to see who's protecting me. That was her issue, right? Because again, she was afraid. And 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 I was like, okay, I understand. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can see you. You can't see him. We get that. We no n- none of us can see him. But he still can see you. As a matter of fact, he can see you all day long. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not sleep. So when you go to bed, if you want me to come, you know, sleep next to you, I'll do it. But I'm gonna fall asleep. And you will fall asleep. You know who does not go to sleep? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah up there always watching you. And he will never let anything harm you. You know, and uh, if you and then, I, she actually asked me, can I put some Quran? It was, it was a very beautiful, you know, uh, request that I, I, I love it when they asked me to do that. Because they, they, they equate that Quran is coming from Allah. They know that. Again, to a degree. And they know that, you know, uh, if, if Allah is going to protect me, she wants something tangible. This is was a, a kind of subhanAllah like a very interesting conversation uh, that I had uh, with her because she she's like she wants something tangible. I know Allah exists, but I need something that will protect me. So she goes, Quran, can we play Quran? It was it was incredible. Anyway, another misconception is why does Allah and, and we said like Allah does not want to punish us. Allah addresses this in the Quran explicitly. What would Allah gain from punishing you? You cause punishment for yourselves. Allah does not want to punish you because some people deal with Allah in terms of arrogance. And again, I'm talking about mainly non-Muslims who make jokes about Allah and in, 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 in God in, in their movies or in so on all social media or in their stand-up comedies or in this like it's usually because that's how we know about it that it's something that is publicized right and uh, you have they are bold like i said with allah people who uh, like why would allah do this you know allah wants to punish us so i don't care anymore you hear people talking like that about allah you know, alhamdulillah, Muslims are the most disciplined, even the non-practicing ones, by the way, are the most disciplined people when it comes to knowing how to address Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with respect, with respect. Allah is in a status that's beyond, beyond our mocking our jokes, we do not make jokes when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't joke when it comes to the religion. 
We don't. By the way, joking about the religion, mocking the religion, is one of the 10 things that takes you out of the fold of Islam. Joke about anything. Do not joke about Islam and the religion and the Prophet and above all, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Don't make jokes about Allah or, or the Quran. Do not. Because it takes you out of the fold of Islam. But we're talking about even non-Muslims who make jokes when it comes to God, right? To Allah. You know, it's Allah created us and we were nothing. We didn't exist before our birth. And we are now grown and, and well, it's, it's very, very crazy. You know, now we're, we're grown and we're healthy, we make jokes. And I know it depends on the belief and, and the level of faith. You want to hear something crazy? This is, the, this is new, one of the new things that I've never mentioned before. Beautiful hadith, scary hadith. Listen to this. The Prophet said, while you're praying, while you are praying, the, at least the five daily prayers, if you look up the sky, if you put your eyes up to the sky, looking at Allah basically, you know what could happen? The Prophet said, Allah could take away your sight. You can go blind, basically. You could go blind. Do not look at Allah while you're praying. Have some khushur. By the way, Allah, it's it's a very, you're not supposed to, like you, you, you know that when you're praying, you should look at where you put your head in terms of sujood on the floor. This is where you keep looking at. You don't look around. You don't look ahead. You don't, because Allah looks at you. By the way, the moment you say Allahu Akbar, Allah looks at you. I know you can't see Allah, but don't look at the sky. The Prophet is an explicit hadith by the Prophet by the way, an authentic hadith. Look at the floor where you put your head. This is what's called disciplining yourself during salah. Khushua in Arabic. Discipline. Because if you look at Allah, you think you're too powerful? Do you, th- you think that? Okay, Allah will take away your sight. You know, the Prophet before, uh, uh, the, the, there was a verse in the Quran that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَالَّذِينَ هُمْ فِي صَلَاتِهِمْ Those who are disciplined, meaning looking at the floor. The Prophet it is reported that he used to, again, before that, that was in the beginning of Islam, he used to look up, not to challenge Allah, not to look back at Allah, but he used to, he's thinking like he's looking at Allah, he's making the prayer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so he's looking up at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so... Uh, when that verse was revealed, the Prophet since then always looked at the floor or at the ground. Whatever he's praying, he's looking down out of you know respect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and being disciplined because you're standing in front of Allah. You're standing in front of Allah. Literally, in front of Allah. Literally, this is not a metaphor, by the way. Allah looks at you, you get closer to him the moment you start praying. You are literally in front of Allah, you just don't see it. When you think you are bold with Allah to look up. Now, not, not everyone who will look up, but Allah would take your side. Uh, the Prophet was explicit. Allah say, Allah, the Prophet didn't say everyone who will look up. It's a, it's a problem. It's problematic. You're sinful to do so. Specifically, if you're doing it, thinking you're, you know, you're somebody in, 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 in compared to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But Allah would take your sight as well. Would take your sight. Not necessarily will. But would take it depending on again the intentions and all these things. Like a lot of people, so one of the misconceptions is that some people think that worshiping Allah is a type of dictatorship <laughs> or slavery. Yes, we are slaves to Allah, by the way. 
We're proud slaves to Allah. But when it comes to being a slave to Allah, it's completely different from being a slave to another human being. Slavery to uh, human beings is not a good thing. Like we mentioned, that the slavery in the times of the Prophet with the companions was completely different. You know, the slaves were actually treated as servants. They were well treated. That some slaves, when the Prophet released them, they still insisted on working as servants for him. Like they serve him basically. Because again, you cannot compare. Because I know when we say the word slavery, it's kind of a, a word that nobody wants to hear. But this is because of what happened, in, you know, during the dark, dark times in, in, in American, you know, uh, slavery kind of history, and that, that that's yeah, that's one of the awful ones. However, slavery to Allah is the best type of slavery. You know, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, like, okay, if if you're if for those who are mad about the word slavery, what kind of slave? Let's let's let let's answer this question, shall we? What kind of slave? would ask his master or her master for something and they will receive it whenever they want, whenever they are sincere about it. What kind of a slave will be able to meet with their master whenever they please? That's the types of slaves that we are. You want to meet with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Go pray. Make dua to Allah. Make wudu and pray. Allah will be right in front of you. We just don't see him. But Allah is there. You ask Allah for something, Allah gives it to you. What kind of slaves, you know, that will that, that, that their master will have mercy on them, and when they make mistakes, they will always be forgiven every time they ask for forgiveness. Come on, Muslims, that's the correct and the the proper way of you know of slavery. This is the healthy slavery with Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. So. Yeah, I, uh, there is a lot of misconceptions. People who think that Allah can forsake, you know, Allah, the, 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 the famous term, uh, God had forsaken these lands, right? No. Allah sends tests. Allah allow things to happen for a wisdom. Life itself that we live in doesn't matter. It's not the end all. So stop acting like it is. Yes, life is the bridge. Like I always say, it's the bridge to the hereafter. So when calamities happen, be patient. Allah says, be patient. Be patient when it comes to calamities. Do not go and say, why would you do this, God? Why would you do this, Allah? That, that's inappropriate and unacceptable. And you will be uh, you know, sinful for doing so. If, you know, of course, I'm talking about Muslims and non-Muslims, this is a difference. So non-Muslims have a lot more to worry about than, you know, uh, blaming things on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just the idea that they worship other things is 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 crazy. But however, so, the, the uh, of course, the biggest misconception ever in, ex in, in our time, the biggest misconception, and it has been, right? Which is what? God has a son. That is the biggest misconception, you know, that we have to be reminded of uh, living in a Christian land or uh, interacting with Christians. And, and, and they, again, they, you, they have their own belief. Respect that. You just don't have to respect the belief itself. Respect that they have a belief. I always say that. You know, as long as people don't want to harm you, don't make fun of them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, by the way, do not mock the way they worship uh their God or God, because by the way, 
the three religions, Judaism, Christianity, and I'm saying chronologically, and Islam, the only religion that directly deals with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Islam. However, even though they, the, the Judaism and, and Christianity is the wrong way to worship Allah, it's definitely the wrong way, they ultimately believe in God. That's why when you eat the, from the meat of the people of the book, they have to slaughter it according to their religion because they eventually mention the name of God. Which is the ultimate God, right? The the the, 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 the Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, like Jesus Christ, the Father is our God, is Allah. That's what we what they call the Father. But for us, He's no Father to no one. Allah is one. There's no three. There's no two. You know. So my point is that people have their own beliefs. It's okay. You know, make make du'a for them to be guided. You we are completely allowed to make du'a for non-Muslims to be guided to Islam. But this is the biggest misconception out there that Allah has a son. And you keep you know, debating with people and telling them that does not make any sense logically, guys. Forget about what the Quran says. But still, it's... And, and by the way, there's a big reason why a lot of people are still, even though logically it doesn't make sense, because and Allah addresses this in the Quran, I believe in the chapter of Luqman, when basically Allah says that people who have certain beliefs that they inherited those beliefs from their parents and their grandparents. So they, it's rooted within their faith. And it's very difficult to shake sometimes, the, even, even if it's a wrong belief, it's very difficult to shake it off people. Because again, it's, it's been in my family for generations. It's been in my community for generations. So they have, that's why they argue so strongly against it, even though the argument does not make any sense. You know, Jesus Christ is nothing but a human being, uh, a prophet, like the rest of the prophets, you know, and he has, he, it's not his fault that people, you know, uh, uh, are worshiping him. Certain people are worshiping him. It just doesn't make sense. Like you, there's one God. Why would you go through multiple layers of gods? Right? Why, 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 why would that make sense? It doesn't make sense. But anyway, so yeah, there are a lot of misconceptions about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I hope that when we addressed Allah's attributes, Allah's definition in terms of his his abilities and I, wallahi what we said today is nothing is nothing like Allah is just like I said talking about Allah could take hours and hours and hours of you know episodes and lectures uh, which is again it's one of the reasons why we should be proud Muslims because this is our Lord the Almighty the truly Almighty you know like they always show you these uh, when when uh, when they talk about God and whatever, they show you that God has a flaw, and, and and I'm talking about like people who again who are just they have something in the head, and they they are bold with Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Our Lord, no flaws, no flaws, no weaknesses, only strength. And when Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala allows certain people to live and thrive like oppressors dictators disbelievers that's not out of weakness it's because when the prophet actually mentioned it in an authentic hadith it's because life doesn't matter this life doesn't matter in the sight of allah it doesn't equal even the, the, the wing of a mosquito or a fly in the sight of allah so let them live in this life and they will be taken care of in the hereafter if they do not repent and go back to allah
And now, how do we treat Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And that is the last section. And inshallah, we will conclude with this with this part. To show you how we should treat Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and, and how mighty Allah is. You know, during the battle of Uhud, when the Muslims thought that the Prophet ﷺ passed away, died in a battle, and he, he didn't die in a battle, but they thought he did. One of the companions, when he saw the Muslims grieving and crying and thinking that the Prophet ﷺ passed away and died, he said what? Look at this. Muhammad has died. The Prophet ﷺ died. Wallahu hayyun la yamut. But Allah is still out there. Allah does not die. Allah is alive and will be ever living. Allah will never die. So meaning man up, stand up, regain your faith because we worship who? We don't worship Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. We worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah is almighty. He never dies. And actually when the Prophet himself passed, and we mentioned this when we talked about the death of the Prophet what did Abu Bakr say? You guys remember? Those who worshipped Muhammad and believed that he was to be, none of the companions did that. But this is a way for Abu Bakr to remind us who is the Prophet and who is Allah. The Prophet is the best of mankind, the best human being, the perfect human being in terms of humanity. Allah, on the other hand, is at a different level. So Abu Bakr said when, when actually the Prophet died and, and Umar was sobbing and crying and, and, and fell on the floor from shock. We mentioned this in, in an episode of the death of the Prophet Abu Bakr reminded them, if you guys were worshipping the Prophet he died. He passed away. But if you are truly worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah never dies. Wallahu hayyun la yamut. That's our Lord. That is our Lord. We worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, and here's something very interesting. Let's say that you, I want to give you an example. You, let's say you depend on people for various things. Like you, you, you are, you want to go to whatever, get a job. There's a job that you really want. And you know someone who knows someone uh, and that person would help you get the job. Like, uh, I know a guy who knows a guy, uh, a little bit of a better call Saul reference. Um, anyway, so let's say that, you know, someone who could hook you up with that job. Okay. Is it guaranteed? No, because that person that you, you you're depending on to get you that job or hook you up with that interview might die tomorrow, might get into a car accident. You know what? He might lose that position and he won't be able to help you because he doesn't, you know, he doesn't exist in that position anymore. He's, he might need to travel. Something might happen to him. So depending on people, purely depending on people is problematic because it uh, could be a hit and miss. However, when you depend on Allah, what happens? Allah is not going anywhere. Allah is not going to travel. Allah is always there. Right? Allah will never die. He is ever living. Allah is infinite. He will always be there. He will never cease to exist. So you depend on Allah. That is more befitting to a believer. Depend on Allah. But now that doesn't mean forget about people. Do not ever, 
you know, seek help from people. No, no, through people. So when you go talk to that person to hook you up with a job, rest assured that it's not that person who's going to get you the job. It's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through that person. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and, and we, we mentioned this, you seek the means. You have to seek the means. You have to do what you, you can do. You have to do your best. But rest assured that the result is up to Allah. Rely on Allah. Still seek the means, talk to people, but rely on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because that person, if you just completely think it's him or her who's going to help you with your job, they might die tomorrow. But if you're relying on Allah, guess what? Even if those people die, Allah will dedicate someone else that's, you know, like you're like an unexpected person who would help you. Wallahi, that happened to me in my life many times. Wallahi. Help will come from unexpected places because you're relying on Allah. Not on human beings. Yes, seek the help of human beings. But you know that it's Allah is the one who's helping you through those people. Okay? So that is the attitude. That's the, We depend on Allah. We do our best, but we depend on Allah. We seek the means. We ask people for help. As long as it's all in a halal way, of course, that you know goes without saying. But you depend on Allah. Also, and this is more important than anything else in terms of how do we deal with Allah. Allah comes first. My dear brothers and sisters, keep this. Well, I, I have it on my phone. I have it as a as a kind of my motto on my phone, like in, in, in a home screen. Allah always comes first. Four words. Think about it. If you put Allah before anything, Allah will bless your life. Allah will make your life easier. And more importantly, will help you in the hereafter. So if you're doing anything, prayer time comes. Now you have the window, but don't pray too late. Go pray. Think about Allah first. In any action you do, think about Allah. Would Allah want me to do this or it's forbidden? Would that make Allah be pleased with me or not? Make that intention. Make everything you do in your life about pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not pleasing people. So when you pray alone, don't pray like, ah, oh, it doesn't really matter. But then when you pray in congregation because you're, you know, you're ashamed or you're worried about what people might say, so you are become you become more disciplined. Oh, that's another thing. That's another level of sin, actually, because you care about people more than you care about Allah. Allah must come first before your family, before your children, before your spouse, and of course before your parents, before anybody. Allah comes first, then family members. Allah must come first Because guess what If you are from the Hezbollah This is mentioned I believe in the chapter of I want to say Mujadala I believe so uh, If you are from the Hezbollah the, 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 the group of Allah The team of Allah You will always be a winner Those from the Hezbollah From the team of Allah now Allah doesn't need a team, but like you're from the group that puts Allah first. You always seek Allah's pleasures. You always fear Allah. That that puts you in the club or the team of Allah. So Allah saying, Those are the winners in life and in the hereafter. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, being with him, putting him first, fearing him, relying on him will get you nothing but good things. Even if, the, by the way, even if life is tough, 
Be patient with Allah. Know that Allah has something better for you. Know that Allah has something better for you. Just be patient. Be respectful. Put Allah first before anything or, or anyone. And that is your ticket to paradise and also to happiness in this life. Who doesn't want this? You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is promising us unlimited rewards in paradise and in, in, in the hereafter. And also promising us rewards in this life. And the reason why I didn't say unlimited, because life itself is limited. It's temporary. So there's no way that there will be unlimited rewards, right? And the Prophet said, he told us that to, to, to always say this dua. Allahumma inni as'aluka la'afwa wal'afiyah fi dunya wal'akhirah. Very explicit dua that you make that the Prophet told us to make, which is you ask Allah for al-af wa Oh Allah, give me forgiveness and health and good things in this life, fi dunya wal-akhirah, and in the hereafter. Because some people might say, well, I want to have everything in the hereafter, so it's okay. I, I can take it. I want my life to be rough now so I can have everything in the hereafter. By the way, that's not the right attitude. There's nothing wrong with wanting good things in this life and in the hereafter as well. Because, and this is what the uncle of the Prophet said, oh, you know what? I want to be punished in this life so I'm sinless on the day of judgment. When the Prophet heard this, he said what to his uncle? Do not ever say that again. So when the uncle said, why? He said, because you might not be able to take what Allah could give you in terms of punishment in this life. Don't ask for Allah to punish you in this life with your sins. The Prophet said, you will never be able to take it from Allah. You think you can take the punishment of Allah in this life? If Allah would punish you with your sins, no. Rather say, this is when the hadith came, Rather, instead of saying punish me, O Allah, in this life, say, O Allah, give me only good things in this life and in the hereafter. So basically, and again, I don't want to, this is, we're heading into like almost two hours now. So just to let you guys know, this is a summarized version of who is God, who is Allah. This should boost our faith. This should make us proud of who we are as Muslims because wallahi we are the only religion who knows exactly what to do towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and who knows exactly what Allah is. We know the definition of God, of the true God, of the only God, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Unfortunately, the rest of the world is oblivious and ignorant when it comes to that. And also that will lead us, like I said, to something now What I told you today Will be used When we get to the major signs Because there's something Significant that will happen And involves Certain people Or certain individual Claiming that He or she Their God And I don't want to Spoil it for you now But that was Really important for us To understand So when we compare We'll know the answer And we know who is Truly is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and who is God. Thank you so much for listening. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.